Uh, Hare Krishna. Welcome to uh, the Sunday Bhagavatam class. It's October 24th. Uh, today we're going to begin with, um, still in the first canto, chapter 13, text 56. And the first verse we read today will give some technical details about um, Dhritarashtra's uh, yoga process because he's actually practicing technical yoga process in the forest, announced. Okay. Uh, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, uh, the first verse today is uh, Dwasta Maya Gunadarko Niruddha Karanashaya. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. One second. Uh, Niruddha Karanashaya, Nivartita Kilahara. That's interesting. Uh, Aste Stanurivachala. This is a, this is a very serious yoga practice, as you'll see. Tasyantarayo Maiva Bhut, Sanyastakila Garmana. So, this is an artimony describing Dhritarashtra's yoga practice as he has now renounced the world. So the first thing is Dwasta, Dwasta Maya Guno Darko. So the last word in this compound, Udarka, uh, is an interesting word because the word Arka often means the sun. And uh, as a, what is that, uh, that um, the Bhagavat sun, uh, what's that verse where the Bhagavatam is risen like the sun? Puranarko. That that's the word. Purana arka. The, that in this age, when the question was asked by the sages, where can we find Krishna consciousness? Where can we find real spirituality in this age? Now that Krishna has left the planet, and uh, and the uh, sages said that Puranarko do no dita, that the sun Purana or the Purana sun, which gives light, which you know, uh, has now risen in the form of the Bhagavatam. So <clears throat> the word used there in that verse, Purana Arka for sun is Arka. And Udita has risen. Udita, which in Bengali becomes Udila. And that's where you get Udila Arana, that song by Bhakti Thakur. Anyway, so the, so Ud, Ud means up. And Udarka literally means the up sun. I mean, if you translate it, forget how it sounds in English, just what does it say in Sanskrit? Udarka, the up sun. And what it means is the rising of something. And so if you look at the dictionary, Sanskrit dictionary for Udarka, it means arising. It means, and therefore it can mean as it does here in this verse, the future result of actions, the consequence, uh, and so on. 
So as we know, and the, and the idea here is that whatever we do in the material world, it reacts on us and that's called karma. Uh, so udarka can also mean uh, the conclusion of something like, okay, it's risen, it's manifest. That's, so it's, it's kind of concluded, it's ended. So all these, so here it said that uh, guna udarka, maya guna, the illusory qualities, so maya guna here means the illusory qualities. So the rising, the coming up of illusory material qualities, dwasta has now been destroyed. So that's the idea. So if you think about it, all of our problems, all of them are mental problems, especially emotional problems or just being unhappy. Uh, it's all the modes of nature. The soul doesn't get depressed. The soul doesn't get stressed out. That's the that's the mind under the modes of nature. And so uh, here it said about Dhritarashtra that all of the consequences of the illusory qualities that he's been associating with, uh, all these uh, consequences, all the this whole situation has now been destroyed. So he has actually transcended the modes of material nature. And Krishna uses that term, transcended, the word transcended in the Bhagavad Gita is atita, literally gone beyond, transcended. And so, uh, so Krishna talks about someone being gunatita, they've gone beyond the modes of nature. And that's basically what's being said here about Dhritarashtra, that all of the consequences or all the influence of these illusory material modes has all been destroyed now. And the Rudha, he has restrained, actually someone who cannot be restrained, someone that cannot be controlled by others is called Anirudha. So that's what the word Anirudha means. I remember when I was in, in 1969 and 70, we, we used to say Anirudha. But... Um, the word is a nirudha. So here it's just said nirudha, karanasaya. So karana here means the senses and asaya means the mind. So uh, Dhritarashtra has restrained, he has blocked the nonsense, the mischief of his material senses and mind. And nivartita kilahara. Ahara. Uh, can mean eating, but it's very much like the English word consume in the sense that can, like to consume can mean eating, but it can also mean just anything that you take in with your senses, like consumptionism or, or cons I'm sorry, consumerism. If you think the consumer, the consumer is the person who's consuming, so it means basically, you know, any any attempt to enjoy the material world by buying things, by using things, by touching, seeing, hearing things, you know, anything you're trying to bring in through your senses is consumerism. Uh, and so, and that's in Sanskrit, the word ahara, akila means uh, all of it uh, without exception. Kila means something's missing. So akila means that uh, without exception, just all forms of consumption really, or all forms of consuming. Nivartita, he's 
literally sort of backed away from. He's um, let go of it. And Aste, he remains stanuriva, like a like a stanu. Stanu here, see how Prabhupada translates that, um, immovable. It's a very good translation. Uh, from the, of course, from the Sanskrit word sta, to stand, and that's where we get the English word stand, of course. So stanu, uh, in the dictionary, Sanskrit dictionary means standing firmly, stationary. The word stationary is actually cognate with stanu. They come from the same root. Stationary, firm, fixed, immovable, as Prabhupada says, motionless. So, uh, Eva Achalaha. So he's unmoving, and, and Prabhupada translates that Achala as um, he's fixed. Achala, also, Chala means to move. Chala, chala means moving. And uh, so Achala means unmoving, fixed, motionless. So, in that sense, uh, Achala moving. I mean, you could just, you could say, well, I'm not moving from my position, but here's Stanariva Achala. He's really, he's literally just, um, you know, motionless. It can also mean a uh, the trunk of a tree, which doesn't move. And so he's literally just standing there like the trunk of a tree, unmoving, motionless, very serious, very serious yoga here. And so then Narda, this is a very powerful statement. Narda tells them, Tasya Antarayo Maiva Bhut. Do not in any way, Maiva, uh, do not in any way of Bhut, do not in any way become an obstacle for him. Because if you want to go visit him, oh, my poor uncle, how are you? That's just going to ruin his spiritual practice. It's going to drag him back into this bodily consciousness and all the crazy things he did. And, and it's just going to, so don't be an obstacle. He's trying to make spiritual advancement. He's trying to really be fixed in spiritual consciousness. So don't go there with, with, with your sentimentalism and uh, just ruin his spiritual practice. That's basically what Nardamoni is telling him. Sanyasta kilakarmanaha. Uh, because sanyasta, he has given up. Sanyasa is the order of life. And then sanyasta means that one, that one has renounced. So he has renounced akila karmanaha. He has renounced, again, we have the word akila, that he's given up all intake into his senses. And here he has given up all, same word, akila, without exception. Uh, he has given up all activities in the sense of material activities. So uh, I know you're all curious. Yeah, so akila, complete, whole, without exception. So without a gap. So so that's Narda Muni's advice. And this is very good advice for all of us. And there's a time to go to people and there's a time to stay away from them. And this is actually what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita uh, in 1831, uh, where Krishna says that um, 
someone who pravitya nivitya uh, that uh, when should you proceed, proceed, and when should you recede, go back, when should you hold back? So uh, here, Nard is telling Yudhisthira, do not bother this person. Do not drag him back into the bodily concept of life that, oh, you're my uncle, I'm your nephew. Don't do that. So he's saying, don't become an obstacle for this person. He, because he's given up all this worldly activity. Don't drag him back into it. So good advice, isn't it? We should never be the cause of dragging someone back into mundane consciousness when they're trying to transcend it. That's the idea. So then Narada says, So on the fifth day from now, from today, you know, going forward. Parata means sort of going forward. So uh, going forward on the fifth day, panchameya, he means the fifth day from today. Adyatana means from today. And the fifth day from today, O king, he indeed, kalevarang hasyati swang, he will give up his body. Literally, he will give up his body. Going forward on the fifth day from today, he will give up his body. And that will become ashes. That will become ashes. That's simple Sanskrit statement, and you can all understand what that's about. Then Narada says, uh, So when his body is burning by the, literally by the fires, or, and we would say burning in the fires, but the fire, so Agni beers in the plural, so they're apparently, you know, different fires starting. Uh, so when his body is burning by the fires, literally, and, and his body is burning with his little thatched cottage. So he has a little cottage. So again, there was a whole, uh, method of vanaprastha. Of pra they didn't just go out into the wilderness where there's nobody. They went to a place where there was an ashram. There were very experienced professional, not in the sense of just trying to get money, but professional. They were highly skilled uh, vanaprastha experts that knew exactly how to do it. It's just like, it's almost like, you know, you go to assisted living and they know how to do everything. So they, they would go to a place, that's where Dhritarashtra was with uh, Vidura and his wife, Gandhari. And um, so he has a cottage, just a little, you know, just made out of straw or made out of grass. So he has a little cottage where he stays. <clears throat> and, uh, as he is burning up in these fires, the cottage also catches fire. So it's it's kind of the way to go back then because, you know, you are doing your, in other words, what that shows is they didn't recycle the cottages. It's not like, okay, you can use this cottage and then when you leave the world, we'll, you know, sort of fix it up, spruce it up, and then we'll give the cottage to the next person that comes. No, he, he's... He's, his body is burning in these fires and the cottage is burning with it. So at that point, Patyu Patni, uh, 
which literally means the wife of the husband, Patni. Bahik Stita, and she's standing outside. She's outside the cottage looking at this. So Bahik means outside. She's standing, Bahik Stita, she's out, she's outside. And then Patin, her husband, Sadwi, this is Gandhari, Sadwi, the saintly person. Tamagnim Anu Vekshati. So Anu means following. So you have to put the two words together, Anu Patim. Following her husband, this saintly lady, standing outside the cottage, Tamagnim Anu Vekshati, will enter the fire. Vekshati is the plural from the verb Vish, to enter. So she will enter. And uh, Vishnu, uh, it's often said that Vishnu comes from this root Vish. And so Vishnu is the one who has entered everywhere, who's all pervading. So anyway, standing outside, uh, the saintly woman uh, following her husband will enter the fire. And this is all going to happen in five days. So then, Bidura stu tadascharya nishamya kurunandana. So uh, Narada says to Yudhisthira Kurunandana, oh, delight of the Kurus, Vidura, uh, indeed, Vidura stu tadascharya, that wonder, that amazing thing, nishamya, seeing it. So Vidura so, so is watching this, and this is, you know, this is his older brother that he's kind of had to put up with, but he loves for his whole life, for his whole life, and then her, you know, his, his sister-in-law, Gandhari, who he knows very, very, very well, is his sister. And so he's just watching them leave this world right before his eyes. So if you think about it, for any of us, that would be a pretty amazing thing to see. So viduras tu taras charya nishamya, kurunandanam, harsha shoka yutas. So he felt both joy and sorrow. Because, I mean, the, the harsha, uh, the joy, Prabhupada translates delight, he felt this harsha because after, in some ways, a miserable life. I mean, Dhritarashtra, he had all the opulence to the extent he could enjoy it uh, of, of, a, uh, of a great king. He was the, you know, the senior member of the Kurus. He had world power for a while which he really clung on to, as his name indicates, Dhritarashtra means one who held on to uh, the kingdom. So um, he had all this, but it wasn't a good life in many ways. He, he was what we would call nowadays a, a, I guess you'd say a super facilitator. He was completely a facilitator of this demonic Dhritarashtra, uh, Duryodhana his son and his other sons were kind of bad, bad actors. And so he was just constantly looking the other way, you know, facilitating them. And so now Vidura has seen him transcend all this, go back to his soul and, and successfully complete this very demanding yoga practice, spiritual practice. So that's the Harsha. That his his brother, his older brother, and and his sister in law have really transcended. They have 
done the right thing. They've given up all this nasty material world. And of course, shoka, lamentation, is because you can't just you can't just be completely free from human feelings as a devotee. We understand them and we transcend them, but they are there. So it's harsha shoka yutas. He's filled with he's feeling uh, harsha and shoka, delight and lamentation. And then tasmat ganta. Again, Nard is still speaking in the future. So ganta, I won't go into all the Sanskrit grammar here, but it means he will go from there. Tasmat means from there or, uh, or from that place. Tasmat also in Sanskrit is often used to mean therefore, because like you say one thing and then from that, something else, which is therefore. But here it means tasmat from that means from that place. So tasmat ganta, he will go from there. Tirthani shevaka, uh, to visit and take advantage of the pilgrimage places. Nishevaka means a pilgrim, one who is you know, going on pilgrimage. And uh, tirtha, to holy places. And this is all going to happen in five days. So Narada is describing in detail what these people are going to do. The Vidura is to Tadas Charyam. The Vidura seeing this wonder of uh, and filled with or feeling uh, delight and lamentation from there, from that place. Gantan, five days he will go uh, as a pilgrim to holy places. So Narada has really explained exactly what's going to happen. And of course, it did happen. Having thus spoken, Aruhat Swargam, he rose to heaven. Aruhat means he rose, he went up. So, having said that, he went up to heaven. That's nice. Prophet says, for Aruhat ascended. Uh, so, uh, one second here. Having said that, he ascended. To heaven, Aswargam Prabhat says, into outer space. Well, that's where heaven is, in outer space. So he ascended, he ascended to heaven or to outer space. Narada Saha Tumburu. Narada Saha with Tumburu is instrument. Tumburu, although some people, there's some interpretation that Tumburu is the name of a sage. So he's with another sage, but Prabhupada takes it in the sort of the standard way. It's his instrument, his Tumburu. And Yudhisthira Vachastasya Hridi Kritwa and Yudhisthira Kritwa placing Vachastasya, his words, placing Narda's words, Hridi, in his heart, placing Narda's words in his heart, Ajahat Sucha, he gave up his grief. So um, this, of course, is a great instruction for all of us because all of us have to deal with grief in this world. It's the nature of this world. It's, we know. And so we have to remember these instructions of, you, of, of Narada, of Prabhupada, the instructions of great teachers. And we have to place those instructions in our heart because the grief is in the heart. And so that's, it, it's like if you have some disease on your body, you have to place the medicine on the disease, not somewhere else. You know, it won't help you if you have some 
disease and you put the medicine somewhere else in your body, it won't help. So the disease is in the heart and we have to place the medicine and the medicine is the teachings of great souls like Narda Muni, like Prabhupada. So we put that medicine right on the problem, which is in the heart. And then it said he gave up his lamentation. And that's the end of chapter 13. We have finished a chapter. And uh, hopefully we will all be on the planet next Sunday and uh, willing and able. And next chapter 14 is the disappearance of Lord Krishna, the disappearance of Lord Krishna. So let's see if there are any questions. to uh, what do they call it again streamyard so it kind of dances you know because as new comments come in it kind of dances around that's why sometimes a challenge to find the questions the dancing comment section so thank you all for watching thank you all for your statements I get a lot of kind greetings here. Um, let's see. Thank you, KR, for listening. Let's see. So far, no questions. Oh, Jagat Palana. He's always a reliable question asker. So in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that the soul is achala. Does it mean that what we perceive as movement is illusion? Uh, no, things are really moving. Um, achala means that we do not move from our position as eternal souls. That we don't transform to anything else. We don't change. Uh, the word is achala, which means not chala. And the uh, verb chala means to be moved to be agitated, it can mean that, like, you know, agitated, uh, to tremble. It can mean to uh, to go away, so we don't go away from our position. It, it can mean not being moved from one's path. So achala means not moved from our path. There's a certain path for the soul. It can mean not to be disturbed, confused, disordered, not to go astray, not to deviate. For example, there's a word, uh, it's not very flattering, pungjali. It, it, it means, that's how you say, sort of like a promiscuous woman. And pung means that she's easily moved by men, like men move her. Like, you know, in the presence of a man, a woman who just kind of melts or loses her self-control, loses her intelligence, her discrimination. So she's moved by men, deviated by men. So that's the word pungschili, which is found uh, here and there in the Bhagavatam. So it's in that sense that that I've just, all these senses that I just described, that the soul is a cello. So um, thank God there's a Sanskrit dictionary. It's really interesting and helpful. So from Rata Kanta, translating from Spanish, to desire to serve with love and sincerity 
the question, does it eradicate completely the uh, pathology of uh, seeking to consume, seeking to in, enjoy things for one's uh, personal benefit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. So, uh, Barang Shreya made an interesting comment. Burning in his own hut. It reminds me of the Viking chiefs at their funerals, burning in their own ships. Yeah, that is kind of, uh, yeah, actually a meditation hut is a type of vehicle, definitely. So uh, from Sandra Shaker, can you explain the notion of returning to the spiritual in one's self-same body? How is that possible? What about one's Siddha Sarupa? Uh, you'll have to cite a particular verse there. Uh, it's not the case in today's reading because Dhritarashtra's body burned up. So if you're interested in that, later you can cite the verse and we can go over that. So Bhajan, uh, Simon, thank you very much. How can yoga siddhis of Narada and others be scientifically explained? Um, well, they can't be. they cannot be scientifically explained by people who don't have the intelligence to understand them. Um, so it's just like, for example, there's all kinds of advanced science, but, uh, you know, 99% of the people in this world are not able to read a very advanced, say, book on physics. Because it has all kinds of statements and symbols and logic, which just, you know, unless you're trained, you can't do it. So a science can be explained to someone who's a scientist. You know, you can give a popular, simple version of science, but to actually understand a science, one has to be a scientist. And one can deny, as actually some people do, like the flat earthers. People think the earth is flat, or people think the world was created 5,000 years ago because the world, because the Bible told me so. So in order to understand the science, you have to be a scientist. And so among the advanced yogis, spiritual scientists, they seem to have absolutely no problem communicating with each other. And as far as, you know, how you actually do it, that's uh, for another day, we'll talk about that. So Harinam Charan. Uh, my question is, can we accept Vedic demigods as same as angels in Islamic literatures? They call them Lak or Malak, who is always an obedient servant of Allah. But our tradition, but in our tradition, our devas sometimes are not obedient. <laughs> if we use uh, the word Malak for the position of devas, although it seems like contradictory in quality of these, I think we could compare the uh, the Malaks or the angels more to Nardamoni great souls who sort of fly in and help people solve their problems. So the devas are administrators. They're not, whereas angels in the sense of, uh, well, I'll tell you what the dictionary says about angel. So we can, spiritual being believed to act as an attendant agent or messenger of God, conventionally represented in human form with wings and a long robe. It can mean an attendant spirit, especially a benevolent one. So, so a, a someone serving God 
and uh, acting to help people down here in this world, yeah, that would be the great sages, the great like Narda rather than the demigods who are more administrators. They have to keep law and order. Uh, let's see, it just danced. My screen just danced. Stream here for you. Oh, so, uh, Rata Kanta, another question, is it really necessary to visit sacred places or to study with the heart? I'm translating this. The words of scriptures, uh, or or by studying the words of scriptures, can one consider oneself to have made a pilgrimage? Uh, well, my personal experience is that going to holy places can be a very powerful uh, boost to one's spiritual life. And if for some reason, whether it's financial or health or you know, because of your career, it's just very difficult for you to go to holy places, especially if they're literally on the other side of the planet, as in my case. Um, then one can get the benefit in scriptures. So uh, all these things are offered, these spiritual facilities, and people find the right combination, the right formula that, that works for them in their spiritual life. So, ah, Priyahita. It took five days for Dhritarashtra to prepare to leave his body. How was Gandhari able to just walk in and transcend? No, uh, let me correct that. I mean, uh, first of all, it didn't just take them five days. They've been gone for a while. Narada Muni didn't say that's going to take them five days. Narada Muni said five days from now they're going to do this. That doesn't mean they just started their spiritual practice uh now and in, in five days it, it means that's what they're doing right now and in five days they're going to leave how is gandhari able to just walk in and transcend because gandhari was also practicing uh narada is talking about uh Dhritarashtra, but gandhari wasn't just you know on netflix or something or you know sort of you know talking to her friends on facebook or whatever uh, Gandhari, if anything, was a more powerful spiritual practitioner than Dhritarashtra, and so she was, she was at it. She was ready. Uh, just above, there was a question from Julieta. Okay, Ju oh, Julieta, uh, who was actually Janava, Devi Dasi. Oh, yeah, please put in lots of question marks. I keep poner los puntos de interrogación porque si no es difícil ver. Entonces siempre pedimos que los que hagan preguntas que pongan los puntos de interrogación, muchos de ellos, para poder ver. So, uh, Julieta. So, translating from Spanish, the chastity of Gandhari, Gandhari, the question, is considered material or spiritual? That's a very interesting question. Um... Well, I'll give, you know, I'll, I'll say yes or no in this sense. If we just look at Gandhari, she was chased to Dhritarashtra, who was not the most spiritual person on earth before he renounced. And so being very chaste to a materialistic person is not spiritual. I mean, it's nice. Chastity is nice. 
Although it's interesting, the Bhagavatam does not mention that she blindfolded herself. That's another issue for another day. Bhagavatam does not say that she did that. But anyway, so she was very chaste, and but she was very chaste to a person who was doing bad things. And that's not spiritual, although it is pious and mode of goodness. It is spiritual in the sense that Gandhari, like all these people, are taking part in a theater uh, in Krishna Leela. So this is Krishna Leela, and because she's playing her part very nicely, in that sense, the sense of playing your part in Krishna Leela, then it was spiritual, but not by itself. So uh, thanks to Gary Stevenson to pointing out that um, there was a question above. So Tarun asked, uh, immovable, I suppose he means like Jagannath. Uh, not, ex I mean, I, I guess Dhritarashtra was like Jagannath, but that's, that's different. I mean, it's outwardly, they're both not moving, but of course, for different reasons. So I think that, oh, Krishna Priya. Uh, I suppose Gandhari. Was she chased to the Dharma of her time? Yes and no. It was the Dharma of her time to be a faithful wife, but the Yuga Dharma was to worship Krishna. So, so did she worship Krishna? Yes, in the sense that she's playing her part in Krishna Leela. No, in the sense that the part she played was not to do what Krishna wanted. I mean, you have to go back and look at the Mahabharata. You could say, well, Krishna wanted her to be a chaste wife, which is true. And um, she did sometimes chastise Jitarastra. She did sometimes tell him, like, what the hell are you doing? And so uh, to the extent that she herself was just tolerating what her husband was doing, it's like, for example, a devotee wife. Let's say a devotee wife whose husband is not either not a devotee or not a very good devotee, and yet the wife to please Krishna remains a chaste wife, assuming the husband is not abusive, in which case it's, you should not remain a faithful wife to an abusive man. But let's say, I mean, Jitarastra was not abusive. He was just up to his eyeballs and dirty politics. So uh, in that sense, the extent to which she loved Krishna and, uh, and there are stories in the Mahabharata that she cursed Krishna and all this. I, anyway, I am not going to place those in my uh, version of the Mahabharata. But so as far as who Gandhari really was and the extent to which she was being chased to her husband because she knew that's what, you know, Krishna wanted her to be a chaste wife. In that sense, uh, you could say it was the Dharma of her time. And it was also the Dharma of her time in the sense that Chastity was considered very important for respectable people. So um, I guess that's it. So thank you very much for watching. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your questions. And hopefully we can meet again uh, next Sunday. Hare Krishna.